Have you had your soup today? And the cold, crisp taste of Coke is so satisfying, it keeps me from eating something else that might really add those pounds. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to another episode of Sheologians. We are here today to put the her in rehearsal. Because this is a banner moment. I took a recommendation from a listener. Did you? I did. I don't do that. For some reason, I don't know why. Whenever people tell me, oh, you should do this. I'm like, well, (laughs) I'm for sure never going to do that one. So here's the thing. When I first came up with the idea to put the her or she in something yes, every week. Yes, this was Joy's idea, you guys. We hadn't done any of that. Zero. We hadn't done any of the words. <laughs> no words. So. Zero words. Here we are. I had a friend who she was listening to the show and she was listening with someone and she goes, oh no, she's going to put the she in insecurity. <laughs> and her friend was like, how do you know that? And she goes, just watch, just watch. And then I did it and. I guess I've just become really. Um, We're not predictable. A <laughs> little bit predictable. Because you just took a list. Uh, That's true. A request. Or- I did. For some reason, this person's request, I was very amenable to it. You know, he wasn't a he wasn't bossy about it. Right. <laughs> He's like, like maybe. <laughs> maybe. He just wrote you a paragraph <laughs> containing the word rehearsal like forty five <laughs> times in it. Right. Rehearsal. He didn't actually tell you you should use it at all. No, he just, he just it was, used it a right. lot. It was like a tactic. And you were like, wait a minute. That's a great it's one. It's in there. I never would have seen it. I never <laughs> would have seen it because it's too obvious. Anyway, <laughs> hi. My name is Summer Yeager, and I'm here with my beautiful co-host, Joy, who does have names picked out for her baby, and we won't be telling you what they are. No, not yet, at least. Because I just want you guys on the edge of your seat. Because I'm on the edge of my seat. Because I cannot wait to find out if you're having a boy or a girl. Yeah. There's I can't not, um, wait. There's not... We're not super, super secretive about it. Um, I think we'll probably give names once, once you know we the know gender. the gender. Yes. And then we're going to... Um, oh, shoot. I don't... Never mind. Shh. There's a surprise involved in that. and I know. I'm I don't so know if someone's listening who the surprises for right so i'm just not gonna say anything. yeah don't say that don't say any of it i know the things <laughs> and i know your possible names and i'm very excited because they're great i approve not that you needed my approval but right. i just do just so you know. well i appreciate your approval yeah well you have it and i know that if they were weird you would have been like great <laughs> but your face would have told me everything i needed to know my face because summer's really you're really the thing about you which wasn't my thing about you today mm, but is, is that now. you're very incapable of hiding how you feel about one million things. percent my face tells all the stories not that you're incapable of being polite but right if it's extreme enough mm-hmm. it'll you'll get your answer i know i know um actually the ladies in my bible study my book study right now uh they've pointed that out to me <laughs> and uh, i was like really 
what? <laughs> okay, fine, that's true. I thought I was hiding that. Um, it's not a horrible I wasn't characteristic. Hiding it. it just means you can't lie. <laughs> that's not a bad thing. I'm a really bad liar. I get very. Oof! I just can't. Oh, it makes me feel weird. I don't like it. I'm not good at it. And I, I don't like. Um, I'm really bad at poker or like card games because. it's the same reason why I felt like I was lying to you when I didn't tell you I wanted your sweet potato fries. Right. (laughs) Like I just, I just can't when there's something unknown, I can't handle it. Poker. I really enjoy playing poker, but the thing about poker is that I forget how to play it every time (laughs) I play it. Uh huh. And then if I don't have people to explain it to me, well, right. Like, cause I've played poker with people that are like, why don't you just know how to play this? (laughs) And I'm like, I don't know. It's my first time. I've never played it before. <laughs> and so the thing is, is yeah. if, if I don't know how to play a game or right. I perceive that um, I don't care, <laughs> I will not care. And I'll be like all in. I don't even know what that means, but I know but it's going to ruin it. it for the rest of you. <laughs> Which is so just lovely. Petty. <laughs> Or that's another word but for if it. I, for me, it's like my patience for something is decided in an instance. Right. To my credit, I feel like I have patience for many, many things. You do. But every once in a while, something comes along mm-hmm. and I'm like, I can't do it. Yeah. Poker. Poker is one of those. Well, but I do like playing it. Maybe. Do you? It doesn't seem like you do. I don't know if I remember. How do, how do you play? I don't know. You have like seven. You have cards. Cards or something. And then chips. And they mean things. I liked playing with my sister and brother-in-law once. Okay. I liked it once. (laughs) I might like it. Poker. Maybe. (laughs) I kind of want to play. Certainly not for real money. No. I would much rather play Go Fish any any time. If the option is what? Speed. I don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) I am a good Christian woman. What are you talking about, We Joy? shouldn't even be talking about cards at all. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Cards are bad. Um, Go Fish is a great game. I don't know why we're talking about this. This has nothing to do with anything. Um, should we just jump right in or should we chat for like 15 more <laughs> minutes? Well, I know that some people definitely know how they feel about that. I don't We can care. just jump in if you want. Okay. There's no, I don't think there's really a way to. <laughs> there's no one way to podcast, you guys. Right. Well, and I was going to say, <laughs> Just with this kidding, topic, there is. there's not. No. There's not necessarily. Sometimes our conversations are just going to kind of lead sure. towards the topic, but I don't sure. foresee our chatting Mm-mm. leading to this. Mm-mm. I did have. Oh, no, wait. I did have a listener question that oh. I thought we could go over for like three minutes, okay. which will turn into 13. Yeah. So you guys can just check out the timestamps if you're really bothered by this inconvenience. But so I had a listener who listened to all of Cultish's, Cultish's, Col- the Cultish episodes. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> about deflecting. I do the same thing. Defle- you- How do you even say that? Cultish's. That's weird. Sounds like a cult. Um, cultish episodes. The cultish episodes about Bethel. And they were like, are you guys going to talk about that? And I, I was just like, well, no, because if you listen to the cultish episodes, I'm pretty sure Lindsay sat where you're sitting right now. They did so, a great job. And 
I, as someone who has some inside information, also this isn't like a spoiler alert because I'm pretty sure they talked about it in one of the episodes. Um, they're going to be doing an episode about the theology of Bethel. Okay. So they're going to take it further yeah. than just an interview. So um, our studio has already produced episodes about Bethel. And like really, really. Really great episodes. Yeah. That, yeah, you should listen to. Not uh, that we, because we cover topics that Apology Studios has already covered. Sure. But that one is just. Um, it's just, just listen to that. They did a great job. They did a good job. I don't yeah. um, see any. I don't plan on, I don't think we're ever going to talk about Bethel really. But she did have a good question beyond just are you gonna like what about those episodes which just go listen to them if you're curious um but kind of what now that we know you know for people who didn't know what was going on at bethel Mm -hmm. now that they know what should they do with bethel's music because bethel does put out a lot of music Mm -hmm. and um you know people that are musically talented (laughs) are behind that and our question was kind of around well what like what now um and I thought it was a good question. I feel like we kind of covered it about a year ago when we talked about the song Reckless Love. Yeah. Um, and kind of I had issue and I asked if we could talk about it because I really did have an issue with the song and with why the song was written and what the um, the person who wrote the song believed. And so you can listen to that. But Um, I think it's just kind of a question at some point we all kind of have to wrestle with. I mean, I grew up in a, I think I was honestly, and I'm not joking, I grew up in the church, but I was probably 13 or 14 before I discovered that not all churches sing, like there are songs sung in churches that aren't hymns. Right. Which I didn't know. Not everybody has hymnals that they open up. Right. And to me for how I grew up, that was something you did at your grandparents' church. (laughs) Right. Was open up a hymnal. (laughs) Right. So it was real big news to me that there was this stuff out there that wasn't hymns. And, um, you know, I think early, in my early 20s, seven or eight years ago, was the first time I'd come across Bethel music. Mm -hmm. And... I remember listening to it and just not really caring much for it. I didn't know anything about Bethel, but I think something that Christians need to come to terms with is that you need to judge a song by its content. Um, And you need to, if you're going to bring these songs into churches, I would have an even stricter set of requirements. If it's being sung as a worship song, right. God, because there are a lot of churches that would even make a distinction between maybe like your communion song that is not like a corporate worship song uh-huh. and the songs that you're singing to right. God. Right. And so, you know, the ultra reformed are like, <laughs> just sing Psalms. This will fix everything. Right. Um, but, you know, there are, and I'm terrified to tell you this, there are Hillsong songs that are solid songs. That's just the truth. Yeah. Um, is Hillsong a real church? Seem pretty heretical to me. Yeah. I don't know if the songs I'm thinking of that I've heard Hillsong sing, they made. I don't know. I haven't looked into it. Um, but I know for me personally, like the kind of stuff that I'm willing to listen to when I'm at home or when I'm driving, um, it's going to be music that 
is doctrinally sound. Right. That's what I'm looking for. Um, in corporate worship in the church, I'm gonna I'm gonna hope for a little bit more because songs really are used to teach. They are right. a form of teaching. Well, and like I mean, even just for an ex- and you don't you really don't have to think too much into this or start to um like critique your your the the worship leader at your church without any sort of tact or right. <laughs> discernment. <laughs> right. But generally, I know that sort of a principle for our church is that if a song, a song that is a worship song needs to be sung to God. So it shouldn't have, it shouldn't be a song sung by man about man with a lot of like, this is me and I, and this is where I stand. And, you know, it should be a song sung in worship to God. Right. Um, and I wish off the top of my head, I could give you an yeah. example right. of that distinction, but right. So, but it is there. Yeah. So for me personally, I don't listen to Bethel. And, and because they are so, so heretical, just so far out there, I'm not going to recommend their music to anybody. Um. Also, so something that, and I'm just going to go ahead and say that uh, they have songs that, uh, at first glance are not doctrinally heretical. Sure. Um, but also I just want to point out that in the writings of the songs, they generally include long periods of um, instrumental only parts. Right. Um, and those part or parts where they're um, sort of repeat repeating like repetitive God, phrases, things yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and those may seem very innocent to people that, have not gone to Bethel or don't really know much about it. But those, those parts of the music are actually intentionally put in there to allow for the kind of Holy spirit stuff that you heard about on the mystical kind of connection. Yeah. They're, they're put there to um, facilitate like sort of a repetitive um, environment, sort of a, Kind of like chanting a little yes. bit, a lot of yeah. it maybe. <laughs> and I wanted to say trance, but I'm not gonna go. Yeah, I'll say it. Oh, trance. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, the reason I didn't want to say trance is because we're not gonna do an episode on Bethel, right? So I didn't want to say anything that's too like gonna bring up a lot of questions without right. without us backing it up. And we're like, listen to cultish. Yeah. Um, we're just going to give it to them yeah. <laughs> for this one. But it's very, it's important to know that. Um, and, you know, I think the same thing really goes for anyone. And I would include Hillsong in that. Right. Which is that you can't just consider. Because um, for Bethel, a large part of their worship service is not um, the words in the song. Right. It is the instrumental. It is right. the repetitive portions. And right. those are there for a reason. They mean something. Right. Yeah. So, you know, again, we did a whole episode on the song Reckless Love, which has a big part in Bethel. Bethel had a big part in the production of that song. We have a big problem with that song. Um, And so we kind of talked about some of those issues. But I just thought it was a good it's a worthwhile. We should absolutely be thinking about how we worship God and what we the tools that we use to do that and um, be cautious about it. So that's all I would that's all I, I just wanted to answer her yeah, question. Yeah, if you're being careful of 
about anything you listen to because yeah. you're putting it into your head all the time. Right. That includes any music, music that yeah. you listen to. Yeah. All of it. How about mm-hmm. the things you read or your entertainment? All yeah. of it. Um, so anyway, I just want to answer that. That was a good question. That's that. Also, yes, uh, I've had people um, emailing, calling. I guess I have not been telling you guys what the voicemail number is. So some of you oh. have been like, do you even still have a voicemail? So yes. Yeah, I guess we haven't done that for a while. Yeah, I haven't reminded you guys, but our voicemail number is 470-465-0475. I listen to them. I love them. Leave your messages. They're great. Feel free to do that. Um, And sometimes that's where we get ideas for episodes. So I appreciate that you guys call in and have thoughtful things to say. Um, It makes me feel weird and, dare I say, insecure that I can't call you back and be like, hey, thanks, because I just think it'd be really weird. I have your phone number after you leave me a voicemail. You have all your phone numbers. I just think it would be weird for me to just randomly text you and be like, thanks for your voicemail. It was great. So I'm just going to tell you here. Thanks for your voicemail. It was great. Um, Leave as many as you want. Again, the number is 470-465-0475. That's that. Hey, today we're talking about depression. We are. Because as Joy explained, I don't remember the last week or the week before, we planned all of our kind of early year episodes, January through April. Mm-hmm. And um, we kept putting these off because they're difficult. <laughs> so <Yep>. now <laughs> these last couple episodes have just kind of been a bit of a doozy. And I've been laughing all week that um, I've, I've, we are talking about, you know, death and depression and, oh, happy day. It's springtime, you guys. <laughs> right. Just a few <laughs> light topics. Right. Um. And you know, just unplug. Just really, <laughs> just really relax today. Yeah. Um, that's totally what Mondays are for, or whatever day you're listening to this. Um, so hey, we're yes, we're here to talk about depression. And let's just caveat this up front that if something we're saying does not apply to you, it does not apply to you. Right. Also, um, not everybody who has experienced depression or is trying to help a loved one with depression, this is not a one-size-fits-all blanket answer. Ultimately, if you really are experiencing depression, then my hope is going to be not that you get all of the answers you need from our show, but that you'll be encouraged to talk to a pastor, talk to an elder, talk to someone who right. knows the Lord and is wise yeah. and um, and knows you and right. can help you. And um, obviously we have some thoughts about depression. I think I can safely say we've both experienced depression. Yeah. Um, well, and we're not just giving this caveat so that we don't have to listen to your annoying messages. That's right. not why. Right. It's because if I was talking to a group of people about this topic, which I am, this is what I would say to them. Um, I would say that uh, it's important to remember that fields like psychology um, have been largely co-opted by secular thinkers um, and in some ways created by secular thinkers. Um, And it's important to remember that in the U S we diagnose mental health issues very quickly and prescribe medication very quickly. Um, For instance, you as a licensed mental health uh, provider, 
you can in good conscience, according to the powers that be, um, diagnose someone with clinical depression 14 days after they've lost a spouse, which we know would more likely be them experiencing normal grief, things like that. Right. Um, So, um, and also it's important to to mention um, that the world uses psychology often to explain the mental turmoil, uh, if you will, of being in unrepentant sin. Um, But that... I want you to go more into that. Oh. Well, um, okay. (laughs) Can you do that while I grab a yerba? Yeah. Can you still talk? I'm listening. Yeah. Okay. Um, So I have a good... I have a good friend who... Um, is a psychologist. Well, okay, actually, first I'm going to finish what I'm saying because I don't want anyone to think that I'm done right there. So that was A. This is point B. Um, I just want to be super clear. Not all psychologists are secular. And actually, I really think that fe- that that the field of psychology can be redeemed. Um, and I think that a lot of the contributors to the field of psychology um, obviously duh, had the law of God written on their hearts and they were lost people tr- who were suppressing the truth and unrighteousness and were trying to figure out what was going on with them and what yeah. was going on with people. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and right. they were trying to do it without God. And so I think that, um, I think the way that we think and the way that we feel is not something that we need to just wash our hands of, right. but we need to redeem it, um, and make it biblical. Right. So what you're saying is, when we talk about the field of psychology and the way they deal with depression, the secular thought is going to have a wrong anthropology, meaning a wrong idea about who we even are because they deny our creator. So that is going to bring issues into how they diagnose what is really wrong with us. Yeah. Okay. And I think, and basically all that to say is that, um, you can absolutely, I mean, and this is just my opinion. I'm not speaking for sheologians. You can absolutely see um, a therapist, a psychologist, and you can absolutely take medication. I just think that there's a right way to do those things. And it's good to be careful considering what we know about, um, unfortunately, and I really pray uh, that it's not always this way, but there is an unfortunate lack of um, solid biblical doctors yeah that are helping people in this field right i'm not saying there aren't any um until what i'm saying is if you want to find one take care to find one talk to your pastor it was just basically what you're saying um you know make a decision that's careful and right and and i'm not saying you're not doing that right but i'm just saying do it (laughs) you know um and it's just important to remember that that yeah a lot of people who um, I'm obviously not a licensed, uh, doctor of psychology or doctor. Um, but I have one of my very good friends is one and I helped her with a lot of her testing and her thesis defenses and right. all this stuff. And so, um, I know, I know for a fact that a lot of the fathers of psychology, um, were godless. And right. like I said, they were attempting to to figure out what was happening with right. humans. They recognized that we weren't just material. We weren't just matter. 
that right. feelings existed and they right. it was their attempt to to figure out what's happening while also rejecting God. Right. Um so it's dysfunctional. Right. Very dysfunctional. And I I honestly think like I mean I think it'll be the coolest thing ever. Yeah. When we have there's a I mean there's a lot of really good things about seeing a doctor in that way. They're obviously heavily heavily trained with in how to talk to you and right. how to be sort of a neutral soundboard. Yeah. Um there's plenty of things that are that people uh people can use that sort of I don't know you and when I walk out of here you're not going to know me. Um it it helps. <laughs> it helps people. It helps that they have one person that is just dedicated to them and helping them figure out and like walk through whatever stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just that we need we need more people who are doing it with the Bible as our foundation. Right. And they exist. They do exist. Right. So Right. Anyway. I think one of the the hardest things about trying to have a well-rounded conversation about the topic is that the kind of the noise, and I don't mean that in a negative sense. I just mean the volume, the tenor of things that I hear around depression. And you guys hear us from hear this from us all the time. But I think there's a problem when Christians, if you could take all the, take 10 status updates about depression from believers, take 10 status updates about depression from unbelievers. If you can't tell a difference, there's a problem. You hear us say that about everything. I have heard myself say this a lot the last couple of weeks, and I'm going to keep saying it, but when you are a citizen of a different kingdom functioning as though you're a citizen of the kingdom of darkness, looking like a citizen of the kingdom of darkness is a problem. And it does expose a foundational problem in your thinking. Right. So if you sound like the exact, if you can't, if you are unintelligible (laughs) from the world, um, there's a problem and that's not what you should sound like. And so a lot of times I think because because the discussion around depression is so psychologized. Mm-hmm. Which um, for us, we hope not that it doesn't mean this forever, but it kind of means secular. Right. It's unfortunately s- synonymous with secular. Right. And that's just kind of how it is. And that. Right. It's very unfortunate. Right. <laughs> what I'm seeing a lot of is, you know, people, unbelievers, they want to remove the stigma of depression. They don't want there to be anything bad about being depressed. Right. And so I think Christians in a, out of a righteous desire to also, you know, we don't want to pretend that depression doesn't exist. We don't want to further beat down. Yeah. We want to be sensitive to the person that is very sad. That is struggling. Yes. Yes. But I don't think that we should be in the same business of destigmatizing for the same reasons right. is what I want to say. Well, so a per- you're, if you were to walk into any office and an attempt to be diagnosed with depression, um, chances are your doctor would never ask you, have you been reading your Bible? Right. Have you been <laughs> praying? Right. Are you right. involved in unrepentant sin? Right. Because if you have been cheating on your spouse, 
Right. You're probably going to feel shame. And you're shame. a believer. Yes. You're for sure going to feel shame. You're going to feel shame. You're going to feel heaviness. Mm-hmm. You're going to feel sadness. Right. Um, and if what we're doing as a church mm-hmm. is removing the shame of the adulterer, uh-huh. we're not doing the right thing and we're not even doing what we are intending to do. Right. But that's kind of what it has morphed into. Right. Is that if you are a chronic gossip mm-hmm. and what you find and you 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 go to Facebook and you go to your friend's house and you're talking about people all day long. Mm-hmm. You have not gone to the word of God. Mm-hmm. You haven't grown in intimacy with him. Mm-hmm. You haven't asked forgiveness. Mm-hmm. You haven't prayed for anyone that day. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't feel right. Right. Um, you're not going to feel okay. right. If you're no. a believer, you're not going to feel no. right when this is how you're living. And so you're right. The One of the problems with diagnosing depression the same way the world does is they're not asking the same questions. Right. The world wants you to live free and happy without shame in your sin. Right. And the Christian is not going to be free and happy while living in unrepentant sin. Right. And so I think ultimately the biggest difference between the way we should view depression and the way the world is, is that we recognize that our greatest need is to be made right with God. Right. Our greatest need is not to be made happy or fulfilled or any of these other things. We recognize that our greatest need is God. And that is our foundation. Sin separates us from God. It results in a lot of bad feelings right. <laughs> um, that are difficult to deal with if yeah. you're unwilling to deal with them in the right way. Well, and especially nowadays, now that we are so forgiving of besetting sins or we are so sort of just like, eh, whatever, mm-hmm. like we have a lot of distractions. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of things that can kind of keep us from being face to face with right. the stuff that really has infiltrated right. um, our lives. And so, this stuff can go on for a long time. Yeah. I'm not talking about, I'm saying, what I'm saying is that, so, so if depression in the clinical sense, and this is not a perfect definition, so that's not what I'm attempting, this is, just bear with me. Bearing. So if, if depression is a, a, a series of days, months, years where sadness is just on you. You cannot be happy. You don't have energy. Things don't seem fun. There Mm -hmm. is no joy. It is Mm -hmm. the absence of joy. Mm -hmm. Um, And you just cannot seem to escape it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes there's something that's not being addressed. Right. If you go to a psychologist, they may point to a past trauma. and they may not be wrong. See, the thing, what I'm, we're not talking about, um, I forget what we're not talking about. <laughs> I already <laughs> forgot the point of what that, I just started that sentence. I totally feel you. I just started it. I'm with you. I had Okay, so I'm not saying that there back. is no, again, I'm just going to point to the fact that um, I don't think therapy is wrong and I don't think um, medication is inherently Necessarily wrong. Necessarily wrong. I think there sure. is an appropriate way to do both. So this is not us comparing legitimate chemical stuff happening or legitimate grief Mm -hmm. happening to 
just an unrepentant sin in your life. What we're saying is that those two things exist and sometimes the distinction isn't made. Right. Um, we we want a free pass right. on the unrepentant sin in our life that is taking away our joy. Right. Um, and so we kind of lump it in with something that maybe does require right. more care. Right. That, or a different type of care, I guess I should say, right. than, than this other right. set over here, right. which is just, I want to be free from shame of my sin, for, over my sin. Right. I don't want to deal with this thing, maybe. Right. And we don't, we for sure, we're not Gnostics. We believe that we are human beings. We have a body, a right. physical body. We have a soul. And these things are connected they are not we didn't think the psalmists were being dramatic when they were crying out that they were like drowning in tears right and talking like... about their bones being <laughs> right. crushed under this weight yeah. we know that depression our 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 body and our minds they are connected they they impact each other right. i mean just take the something we all if you've never experienced depression you can probably relate to this i think every single one of us can relate to a day when you haven't slept and you're just super grumpy, right? For no reason, for no discernible reason, you just cannot handle what's happening. Or sad. And it, I mean, or you're just sad. That is a great example of honestly um, an instance where you need a different type of care. Right. If you are in particular grief or if you've experienced something horrible, like, if someone robbed you at gunpoint and you can't sleep and you're tired and you're entering into this cycle where right. like you're your just physical your, body is right. severely affected by these things. Right. So we absolutely believe that if there are certain things, you know, the God is, ah, oh, he's so good. He's given us so much wisdom um, in how we should live our lives and how we should use our bodies. I mean, think about, think about the days you know, it, maybe you've done this, maybe you haven't, where you've just spent the whole day on the couch, you've just eaten garbage, mm -hmm. you've you've been really lazy. Do you feel really great after that? No, you don't, because you weren't meant to sit around and eat junk food. Right. Not that there's never a day you can take off right. and relax. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is God has created our bodies to function in such a way that we eat, we work, we sleep, we follow this cycle. And it's amazing how a lot of, you know, even discussion around depression, it's like, hey, get up, get moving, go for a walk, go outside, right. get some vitamin D because you, you don't want to see people see people. Right. You like can't <laughs> deny the connection between your body and your mind and how these things inform each other because human beings were not just bodies and we're not just souls. Right these things are intertwined and there's meaning to that. And so I think a lot of times something to consider if you're experiencing depression is, is there something physical that you need to address? Right. Um, I'm not saying you can cure depression by getting more vitamin D, but I have heard of people who've been depressed, who've taken vitamin D and it has greatly benefited them. Mm -hmm. Maybe well, that, many people will you know, tell you there is a, there is a cycle that's involved and yeah. your physical health is very much involved in that yeah um and basically the longer you spend outside of wisdom in this area yeah the more hopeless things feel right the less joy there is right. and the more it just lays and lays and lays on you right um and and ultimately 
there may be again we want to make this distinction maybe that is because you need care you need to take care of your body in some way um and maybe that is because you refuse to be right with the lord right you refuse to ask forgiveness you refuse repentance right and maybe sometimes we find like there's been times where at the end of the day you realize there are issues you don't even have a lot of insight into yeah um you don't even realize yeah oh that's a sin and i've been doing that for a really long time right um and maybe that's why i feel so horrible and i never said anything to anyone i never repented i never asked for help right um and i never did uh I never acted obediently or right. wisely right. in regard to this. I just kept feeling this way. Right. And um and was permissive right. of it. With this thing that I shouldn't have been permissive right. with. Right. Well and so I mean I guess another thing that I'd like to talk about is just that obviously what we're talking about here doesn't it's not something that just goes away overnight. Right. right. And it can. There repentance can have an amazing immediate effect, effect. <laughs> yes. it can yes um, and so but i i, I did want to point out that it, it is a something that can take some time and there are a variety again this is not a one size fits all there are a variety of things that can you can be dealing with like i i mentioned like traumatic events like car accidents things that are very hard for us yeah. mortal people to oh, like man. deal with. Last year after my car accident, which was a horrifying experience, and then I was physically stuck on right. the couch, and then I was in a lot of pain. Um, yeah, that had a pretty big impact on my mood for a while. Yeah. It was pretty dark for yeah. a while. Well, and especially like your kids being in the back seat, Right. And just fear for them. Like, it's right. just... There's plenty of there's stuff that happens to us that is bigger than like it makes us realize how yeah. really little we are in this quick moving yeah. world of metal there's and a electricity. Lot to, there's and... a lot to overcome. There can be things that you're not planning on that happen that, right. that impact you that you have to learn how to deal with right. and deal with in a way that is going to glorify God. Right. Well, and so like I, I mean, I also wanted to mention postpartum stuff uh been there done chronic that sickness yeah loneliness betrayal general sadness and you know what i'm not if you have been if you have a sin that's unrepentant i'm not i'm not totally dismissing your sadness over it but the point is is we need to obedience must still exist in all of these things and it is i'm not saying it's easy and i'm not saying it's quick um but you know i we talked about the psalmists already and I think they're a great example of um, of faithfulness and obedience. And honestly, you yeah. see the psalmists and you see a million examples. I mean, Job, for goodness sake. Oh, yeah. Joseph, mm -hmm. Paul. And then another thing, another, um, another uh, example I thought of, honestly, was Jacob. Yeah. Like, and it took Jacob a long time to cling to the Lord. Yep. And, and he basically was like, I am obedient to you until you bless me right <laughs> like it got to I the mean, point where god had to left for like dead. break him down <laughs> yes um but ultimately the right thing for him even though he was resistant and even though he was stubborn um and an opportunist uh 
ultimately the right thing for him to do, even if it took him a while to get there, yeah. was obedience to the Lord. Yeah. Um, and so I, uh, one of my, th- basically one of my, um, and I, I try, this is something I try to remind myself of very regularly. And I've also recommended this to people, um, which is that uh, we should, we have the accounts of those people. And in many cases, especially the psalmists, we mm-hmm. actually have their prayers. Right. Um, That's and right. And so if you look, I would say, pray like the psalmist. Yes. Um, you praise God and you yeah. meditate on his attributes. I want you to think about every psalm you've ever read. Yeah. Praise God and meditate on his attributes. Mm-hmm. Um, you confide in him, your cry troubles. Out. I mean, it yeah. is like crying out right. of... Tell him your yes, troubles. That's right. In a real way, not just like, oh, you know, like I'm kind of he already knows. Right. He knows. He knows if you feel like your bones are coming out of their sockets. <laughs> right. He knows that. He knows. That's right. Um and then you reaffirm your obedience to him and you praise him for being so faithful to you. Yeah. And you wait. Right. Sometimes you just have to wait. Yeah. I waited on the Lord. Right. And there's a promise that for those who wait, they will be renewed. Right. That's a promise. I think something to think about and something I try to be conscious of all the time. um, And I read this really interesting article, not by a Christian, um, that I thought, wow, like, here's an example of common grace of you guys really seeing something that's so true. Um, But people with symptoms of depression in this research study, um, People with symptoms of depression use significantly more first-person singular pronouns, like I, me, myself, and significantly fewer second- and third-person pronouns, that they, them, she. And this pattern suggests that people with depression are more fo- focused on themselves and less connected with others. Researchers looking into this have reported that pronouns, the use of pronouns, is actually more reliable in identifying depression than looking for negative, emotive words. Now, I thought that was fascinating. I thought it was so fascinating. And it actually reveals a truth that we should know if we've been reading our Bible. Right. Is that if you want hope, If you want joy, if you want peace, you don't look to yourself. You look to Christ. Right. Um, Even the world knows this is part of the research I read. Well, it's a perfect example of, again, what I was talking about is this very unfortunate secular leaning of this thing. Right. That really it's still it doesn't um, it doesn't surprise the Christian. Mm-mm. And many times just affirms what we already know about humans. Right. We know that, you know, dwelling on ourselves and our problems and isolating ourselves, even the world knows these are common, common features of depression. Um, and we should know that as Christians because because God is wise and so gracious. He has told us how we are to live our lives and 
no, a mark of a Christian life is not going to be isolation. Right. It's going to be one lived within the body in service to others. Um, and a mark of a Christian is someone who's not self-absorbed because they are looking to others well, because they are too. looking to Christ. When and, you like when you feel inescapably anxious or sad or mm-hmm. um, there's been times when I'm like, OK, like you need to pray for someone. Mm-hmm. You need to think about somebody other than yourself. Right. Like pray about anyone. Right. Think about anyone <laughs> right. other than you right now. Right. Um, and it helps. Right. A lot. And I can say from experience, there have been seasons of depression that I've experienced where I've I've heard this. I've had these things told to me and there's bit, there hasn't been a connection. There was right. a, a connection I was missing along the way where it's like, well, okay, I am a believer and I do love the Lord and I want to live for the Lord and I want to be obedient. Why do I wake up feeling so right. I just hopeless can't escape this yeah. every day. Um, and really honestly, for me, the way out of that season was through prayer. It was through really taking a an inventory and saying, okay, what am I not surrendering to God? What am I not doing in obedience? And really having to take a personal inventory and get really real with myself and say, okay, I, I actually have hope eternal. Right. I have a father in heaven who loves me. I'm going to spend eternity with him. I am merely passing through here. So what is it that I'm not surrendering to him? And for me, typically, and I'll be vulnerable, for me, my typical downfall is always, if I really start taking this personal inventory, it is when I lose sight, it's when I hold on to unbelief and forget and don't think of God as my loving father. Mm -hmm. For me, if I just dig and dig and dig, the root of my depression is always that, that it's unbelief. That God is, yeah. It's unbelief. Yeah, me too. Um, That he, that God, um, that God doesn't actually care about us or for us. Right. That's right. That is the root of all of it. He's not doing anything. It is, it is ugly, sinful unbelief. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, so yeah, I think that that's something to consider and think about is, is your internal monologue turned only to yourself, your desires, what you're wanting to do? Um, is there sin? Is there unrepentant sin that you're living in? Right. Um, I do absolutely believe there are times when people are living in a way that is sinful and they don't realize it. That's not a pass at all. Right. Um, but sometimes it's just a lack of discipleship where you, you need someone to set you on the right course and say, Hey, Mm -hmm. this is what you need to be doing. Um, and also there's gotta be that willingness to have a soft heart that's willing to change and that wants to change and truly is ready to put your hope in Christ. And I don't, I don't want to saddle if anybody with depression is listening to this, I don't want to saddle you with you know, uh, more shame, more shame. Cause that's not the answer. I don't want to burden you with, well, <laughs> you're just depressed because you're not doing this thing. Right. Right. But ultimately I just, what I want to do is encourage you 
to know that there have been many faithful believers, our brothers and sisters in the Lord throughout history who have struggled with depression, who have dealt with depression, who have experienced what you've experienced and who have had to wait on the Lord and put their trust and faith and hope in him. Because ultimately, without God, like he is the one that's going to do this work in you. Right. We're promised that he he is the one that does the work and you can trust him to do the work. And I love that you brought up the psalm, the psalms, mm-hmm. because what you see in the psalms is someone in a very occasionally, not every psalm, obviously there's a lot of them, <laughs> but the ones we're talking about, the ones where you hear, um, you know, when David's just crying out to yeah. the Lord, begging him for a reprieve, what do you see? You see him continually returning to putting his hope in the Lord, waiting in the Lord, trusting right. in the Lord, because ultimately it's the Lord that's going to do right. this work in you. Well, and um, I mean, the answer, it just doesn't, there is nothing that really makes it go away. I would love it if there was, but there isn't. Um, not that I can do. <laughs> um, yeah, but I don't have a As magic an encouragement, wand. I just want to say that um, God orders events that bring man into condition that is most pleasing to him. Um, So we know that man's primary purpose is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. God is not a sadist. Um, I was listening to a Greg Bonson thing and he was, he actually said, Bonson, God is not a Moloch. Right. He is not an evil God right. that demands we sacrifice our children and blare music so that you cannot hear the cries right. of the children. Right. Um, a part of his purpose for us is that we enjoy him forever. And so um, and we know that, obviously, from First, first Corinthians 10. Um, right. But and then we also know this is the this is the most quoted verse in times of adversity. Um which is Romans eight twenty eight. That's right. Um, That's and right. we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Um, so I want to connect those two verses there for you. So our purpose mm. is to glorify God and enjoy him forever, whatever you eat, whatever you do. That's right. Um, and then um, those that are calling called according to his purpose, things are worked together for good. So if you are called according to his purpose, God will put you, in a position, That's in right. a condition That's right. that most glorifies him. That's right. Because not only does are you meant to glorify God, mm-hmm. but that is the condition which you most enjoy. Yeah. And so sometimes, especially if you're talking about besetting sin, especially like if you're talking about something that someone just can't get up, get rid of and or something that they don't even recognize in their own life. Or you know what? If you're just talking about someone that was a victim of something and they Mm -hmm. are having a hard time grieving and moving through the process of what happened. Yeah. Um, you're talking about someone who is not outside of God's sovereignty. That's right. You are being put into a position where you most glorify God and it may not feel like that. Right. But he is constantly molding and shaping us right into this thing that most glorifies him and that is for our most enjoyment. That's right. And so whether that means you, and a lot of the times you see the purpose, and we don't know the purpose always. Right. And we don't always specifically know the purpose. Right. But here's what we know. 
that there are times when you are in the condition where you must cling to the Lord. Mm -hmm. And those are the moments where we find our deepest obedience and where the faithfulness of God is so ultimately revealed to us in a way that it's not when things are going well. That's right. That's so true. And I think too, something to consider is that um, a lot of times we look to people in the world who hate God and seem to be so happy and prospering and why is their life so easy? And I think we should remember that the Christian life is promised to be one of persecution and that God also disciplines those who he loves. So a mark of God not loving you is that you've, you're never being disciplined by right. him. The inverse has to be true, right? If that statement is yeah. true, God disciplines his children. He disciplines those that he loves. So if you've never experienced the discipline of God, you have to ask yourself, are you a believer? Right. And we're also promised persecution. We're promised that the world will hate us because we love God. So we're going to experience that difficulty. Um, you know, obviously we're not all going to experience it at the same level. It's, it's interest. It's weird as, as an American to discuss persecution. We don't experience right. it the way so many of our brothers and sisters do, but I'm sure that that will not always be true here in America. And we do experience persecution in different ways Yeah, that are legitimate. And I'm mm-hmm. not trying to delegitimate, delegitimatize those. Um, But also just think about the fact that we aren't supposed to love the world or the things in the world. So the things that we spend our time doing, the things that we chase after, um, it's not going to, it shouldn't be our own ease or our own comfort or our own fulfillment or our own happiness. If we're putting the things of God first, yeah, your life probably just isn't going to be as cush as somebody else's might appear to be. Well, like if you want to think about depressing um, especially books in the Bible, I think of Ecclesiastes. Yeah, I love Ecclesiastes. And just so you guys know, the summation of the author of Ecclesiastes is that um, all men are sinners, um, and it's apparent that the wicked do better than the righteous. Right. And God will set everything in order. That's right. According to his plan. So That's right. he is still sovereign over it that's right and that largely a big part of what that book is about is that that part that it seems like the wicked are doing they're better prospering than the why righteous. am i not prospering right, right. and I, I i do i really think you should that's something to take seriously is um what are you what are you putting your hope in what are you chasing after are you hoping to look more like the happy woman in the world or do you want to look like a joyful woman of God, those are going to be two very different. Right. That's going to look like the wicked different will things. smile their way to eternal separation. Right. From God. Right. Right. So the last thing I want to leave you guys with, I read this this week and was it, that too intense. No, <laughs> I'm, I bring the intensity. Listen, I am, I'm 30 now. So, um, I've you moved can past, <laughs> I've moved past being fearful of, intensity (laughs) um i read this this week and i thought that is so beautiful j.i packer says there's six things the christian should tell himself or herself every day 
And I'm going to write these down somewhere because these are, if you're depressed, like I really, if you're not depressed or if you are depressed, think on these things. These are the six things. Number one, I am a child of God. Number two, God is my father. Number three, heaven is my home. Number four, every day is one day nearer. Number five, my savior is my brother. Number six, every Christian is my brother too. I mean, talk about hope, looking to Christ, a lack of isolation. Um, it's just, these are the things, these are beautiful things that we should, we should remind ourselves of and we should think about. And I love that, um, I love that I ran across that this week as I was thinking about depression. <laughs> um, so think on those things. Like look to Christ. Like that is your hope. And I know um, if you're in a season of depression and you've been in a season of depression for a long time, uh, you know, we are very impatient creatures. <laughs> um, there are moments where it's like, I've tried it all. I've tried it all. I don't know why it's not working. You can't forget that your ultimate hope is is in looking to Christ. It is not going to be in your own work or your own sufficiency. It's going to be in believing that he is who he says he is. He loves you as he says he loves you. And he has you where he has you because he is your father that loves you. I think that's the hope for every depressed believer. So that's it. Those are all my thoughts on that. Me too. Oh, so light. <laughs> just so light. <laughs> well, I just, I hope that, I hope there's encouragement in that. Know? Yeah. Because it, it's just, it, like it, the reason I say it doesn't go away quickly is because there will be days where you have to constantly remind yourself that you're lying to yourself again. Right. Constantly. Mm-hmm. Constantly. Yeah. Constantly. All day. <laughs> to the point where you may be exhausted, which is right. why you should have someone else right. to tell you what's true also. Right. Um, it just, right. there's no like magic boom moment in this episode. Right. And, you know, I guess um, I'm, we're just going to keep telling you this every week with every single topic. If you sound like an unbeliever. Right. You're not doing something right. right. There's something wrong there. And it's not too there. late. <laughs> right. Let Jacob Just be repent. your example. Just repent already. That <laughs> it's time. It's time to cling to God. Right. <laughs> it's time. Right. It's just to time. be obedient. That's it's right. not. It's not like oh well, dang it! I haven't been obedient for three years. It's too late for me. Right. Nope. Nope. It's Mm-mm. not too late. Just do it now. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that is it for this week. <laughs> And it's super it for this week. Make sure to come back next week because we're going to be discussing death. Um, so gear up for that lighthearted episode. You can hit us up at patreon.com slash for six bucks a month. You can keep the mics on and we'll see you next week. Yeah. Bye.